Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. We're on week five of Think Outside. We've talked about thinking outside numbers of different things here. Uh, the last few weeks, thinking outside the tomb, thinking outside our cell, uh, thinking outside, in fact, time itself. Uh, we've even talked about thinking outside the system. Uh, what I want to talk to you a little bit about today is thinking outside the lies, uh, the lies that we sometimes tell ourselves, the lies perhaps the world tells you, uh, the lies that probably the media and social media scream at you and yell at you. Um, Perhaps it's just the lies you tell yourself or those things that Satan whispers to you about you. I want us to begin thinking outside of that, getting outside of our own heads, because while there are times that others can hold us back or uh, there are times that our addictions or things like that hold us back or moments where the clock or some of these other things can hold us back, uh, very, very often the problem has nothing to do with all those things. It has to do with us. It has to do with how we think and how we work through things. So I'm going to tell you a story that you can find in Genesis 11 to 25. You don't need to open your Bibles right now. I'm just going to kind of sum it up for you. It's a story of a guy named Abram and his wife named Sarai. Some of you know them as Abraham and Sarah because their names were changed. Uh, This particular story is one that all three monotheistic religions um, focus on. those that are study Islam, those that are uh, part of the Hebrew nation, and, and those that are Christians. Uh, we all will look at the book of Genesis. In fact, we'll look at this man, Abraham, as the father of our faith. So the question becomes, as we look at this story, what is consistent across this story? What can change? And what is it that God has done in and through this man, Abraham, that affects you and me today? What is it that we can live in? How do we as Christians look at what God has said through his son Jesus and how that transforms and change, changes our lives? And so, uh, real quickly, the story of this guy, Abram, he's from a land called Ur, which is up around Babylon, where Babylon is now. So he comes from Ur, his father uh, leaves, they go to this little place and they move from where they're at. He take uh, Terah, his father takes with him Abraham, Abram's wife, Sarah, and then this guy, Lot, which is Terah's Um, son-in-law, or sorry, uh, grandson, Abram's nephew. They go, and while they're in this other land, Abram's father dies, and God comes to Abram. And some of us will know the story, but I want to give you a little background to the story, okay? In this particular day and age, uh, nations were beginning to be built across the world. People had quit being nomads, and they were beginning to be farmers. They would settle down. Uh, They built cities, all these kind of things were happening, and nations were growing, stronger powers were developing. But in order for that to happen, you needed two things. And in order to have a nation, the first thing you need is people. You need to have a lot of people. So you have to have people to work the soil, to work the land, to do the things that you need. And um, that was just really important. Then you have to have friends, family, all this stuff. So realize it. Abram and Sarai have left their home. They're out, they're wandering around as nomads. And God says uh, to them, I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. The other thing you needed was land. You have to have land if you're gonna have a nation, right? You gotta have these two things. So it's kind of ironic. God goes to a guy and his wife 
Abram and Sarai, who can't have kids. They are barren. And they're nomads. They have no land. He goes to them and says, you, I'm going to make it a great nation out of you. And if, if you just think logically, okay, this is not who you pick. You don't pick a barren couple with no land and say, you're going to be a great nation, unless God wanted to show it was his power that made these happen and not, not just ourselves. Because many times our minds restrict us to what we think we can do. Um, we know our abilities, we think, we know our skills, we know if we can work things out uh, and really just really, you know, watch enough Tony Robbins, I can do anything, right? I mean, something like that. And uh, what, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is our abilities, our skills, those kind of things are given by God, but God can even work outside and beyond those things. So with Abram and Sarai, uh, later on, Abraham and Sarah, God begins to bless them. And like I said, all of those who are monotheistic in their beliefs, like, the, like Islam, like Judaism, and like Christianity, all trace back to this guy, Abraham, and the faith that he had. He's often called the father of our faith. Because while God calls him and tells him what he's going to do, um, Scripture tells us Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So he walked in what God had told him to do. He didn't just talk to God, but he began to walk in what God told him to do. He began to tell others about it. This last week, I got to go to some different classes on Wednesday night. I wandered throughout the building, and I happened to, um, after I went to the prayer group, I walked up to the prayer course. And so in the prayer course, Shay and Alexis Higgins, they're teaching the prayer course, and they were on this night of spiritual warfare. And they're talking about Ephesians 5, putting on the armor of God. And uh, Pete Greig, Greig, the guy who, who writes the prayer course, he says there's three things you have to do with this armor, and that is you've got to pray it, you've got to practice it, and you've got to preach it. So pray it, practice it, preach it. You've got to do these three things to live that out. It was a great night, uh, what was going on. So I'm going to take that and adjust it a little bit to the passages that we're walking through today and say, in these things that, that God's going to teach us, that we're going to learn today, you're going to need to pray them, you're going to need to practice them, and you're going to need to preach them. So, I've got a friend here. This friend is, is my head, okay? It's your head. And maybe your head looks kind of cluttered like mine. Things just kind of wander around in there, right? What I want to talk to you about, though, is beginning to think, not our thoughts, but beginning to think God's thoughts, what God wants to do in and through us. In the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 55, Isaiah says this, or God says this through Isaiah. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So what I want to do with you today is I'm going to take some of our thoughts, some things that we think, some things that I've heard, People say when they come in my office or I'm talking to people out in the lobby or during the week, uh, lies that we tell ourselves. And what I want to do is begin to take those lies and turn them on their heads and find out what God's word says to us. Um, the last few weeks, I've been reading a few different books. One of the books is uh, by a lady named Rosaria Chapman Butterfield. It's a real neat name in it, Rosaria Chapman Butterfield. And in this book, she talks about our identity and who we are. And especially for today's culture, how society shapes what we think identity is and who that is. 
where the truth is if we listen to God's word and what God tells us, God is telling us something very different about our identity than what the world is telling us. So how do we begin to understand our identity in terms of what God tells us rather than in terms of what the world tells us? Uh, there's another book, if you're trying to uh, change some of your habits, there's a book called Atomic Habits, a phenomenal book. And in this book, uh, the guy begins to talk about the fact that when we begin to say who we are, that changes the way we live our lives. Some of us get messed up in our heads because we continue to tell ourselves things that aren't necessarily true, but it's the things that the world has told us. Maybe it's something our parents told us when we were younger. Maybe it's something our brothers and sisters told us, or maybe our boss or our spouse but they're things that aren't necessarily true. And what we have to do is shift our mindset and shift our thinking to the things that God would have us believe. So here's what I'm going to do. This is the really weird part of the sermon, as if it hadn't been weird enough already. Um, I'll take this out. And so my points of the message are in here. And so we'll figure out, I don't know what order they're coming out. And so this makes it fun for the guys in the back. So pray for the guys that are doing media <laughs> because uh, we'll see if they put the right verses up at the right time. Here's lie number, I don't remember which one this is. It's one of the lies. I'm worthless and I can't do anything right. I'm worthless. I've heard that before. Um, I, my parents told me I was worthless. My parents didn't, but I heard people say to me, my parents told me I was worthless. I can't do anything right. Um, I, don't, I don't really think there's a plan for me. Um, I've heard people say that before, that God's got a plan, but I just don't believe it. Um, let me read you something. Genesis 1, 26 to 27 tells you and me, I and you are created in God's likeness and in God's image. You're not worthless. Genesis 1, 26 says, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You are created in God's image. You, turn to the person next to you and go, I'm created in God's image. Does that sound weird coming out of your mouth? I'm, I'm created in God's image. Some of us struggle with that. We look at God and who God is, and we realize I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. That's true, but it doesn't mean that he didn't create you in his image. God created you in his likeness and in his image, male or female, male and female. He created us in his likeness and image. We jump out here find another good lie for you here. Oh, this is a good one. I'm not good with people. I can't share what Christ has done. Um, I'm, not good, I'm not good with people. You ever been around people who are like that? They're not good with this. Some of you aren't. I get that. Some of you aren't good with people. Um, but God has something he wants to do in and through you. In fact, um, see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 to 20, um, scripture tells us, God was in Christ 
reconciling the world to himself. The world, okay? God is reconciling. To reconcile means to bring things back the way they need to be. We were created in his likeness and his image. We just heard that. But we fell, and now he's reconciling us to him, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. When we speak for Christ, we plead, come back to God. Okay, you've got a voice. All you've got to be able to say to people is come back to God. God loves you. God, God wants you. It's not the job of a preacher just to say this. It's the job of all of us. God created you in his likeness and his image to shine for all of creation to see what he looks like, what he acts like, who he is. And he's also given you a mouth so you can speak of the wonderful things that he has done. When Jesus comes into uh, Jerusalem on the palms, what we call Palm Sunday, uh, people are shouting, kids are shouting, and the, the Pharisees go, shut these people up. And Jesus tells you, if they're quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. I walk around sometimes here in Grove City waiting for rocks to cry out because some of you are too scared to say God's praises. You're too scared to say what God has done in and through your life. God desires to shift, to change who you are, but he also has given you a ministry of sharing that truth with others. I sat down with some people this week and they were talking about people in the world. And the people that were in the world, you know, they don't get it. They just don't understand. How can they if no one's ever told them? Amen. You understand that? So God has given you a voice to say, hey, guess what? In love, God loves you. God cares for you. God created you in his image, and he wants relationship with you. Those of us that are sitting in this room right now, those that are watching online right now, God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. What that means is if you see people that are far from God, that don't know him or don't seem to be following his ways, he loves them. And he wants relationship with them the same way he has relationship with you. And you know how they get there? By you and I simply sharing that message with them. And I know it sounds scary, and some of them may reject it, but many of them won't. And they begin to find God that way. God has given you that ministry. Now, some of you are going, oh, but I, I, I can't do that. I'm not really good at that. I'm not a good people person. God says the opposite. God says, if I have saved you, I've given you this ministry. Okay, that's in God's word. All of us have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm a reconciler. <laughs> Some of you go, no, you're not. You're not very good at that. Keep trying, keep trying, all right? Okay, another fun one. These are, these are even better. Ooh, I'm a no, I'm a sinner, and I can't change. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a sinner. No, you have to, both of you say it. Not, no, some of you are going, yeah, I know. I know, you, I know you are. That's not the point, okay? We're all sinners, right? So that, that part of the statement is true. We're all sinners, okay? But we can change. In fact... Uh, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, we read this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Transformation is a process that needs to take place in all of us. Transformation happens more quickly for some of us than others. But transformation has to take place because we're all sinners. We've all fallen short, Scripture tells us. We were created in God's image, but we fell. So what happens when we fall is we need to admit, I'm a sinner, we all are, but I need a Savior. And that Savior wants to transform me and change me. So don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? As we talk about praying it, practicing it, and preaching it, a lot of that has to do with what I'm taking in. I've given up on telling y'all don't be on social media, because I know you do. I know you're going to be on social media as much as you hate it and love it. There's this fun love-hate relationship. So here's what I'm going to say to you. Um, if you're watching the news all the time, some of y'all just need to stop watching the news. But if you're watching a little too much, here's, here's my, new, my new way of trying to help us be transformed. However much time you spend on social media and watching the news, spend in God's word. It's a fair trade-off, right? <laughs> All three of you, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Some of you are going, you don't know how much time I spend on social media and watching the news. That's part of our problem. When God says, don't conform to this world and the things that the world is telling you, if you're spending so much time listening to what the world is telling you and less time allowing God to transform you, it's no wonder you're still struggling all the time. You tend to believe things that you hear over and over again. This has been really fun to watch over the last number of years um, as we've had different things going on politically and lots of things that are being told to us that aren't true. Um, one of the, some of the psychological findings have found that if you hear something, even though you know it's not true, if you hear it enough, you begin to believe that perhaps it might be true. When you start out, and there's no way that's true, near the end, well, maybe there's some truth to it. Why? Just because you've heard it a bunch. That's all it takes. Hearing a lie over and over and over and over and over again can, believe, can begin to shift your thinking to thinking those things are true. So if you're listening to the things of the world over and over and over and over, even though you know they're not true, guess what begins to happen inside us? we begin to be shaped and conformed to that image. But if I take God's word and I spend time in prayer, I can be transformed. Some of you would say, well, if God would just speak to me, and I would say to you, the people that say that to me, you know, I wish God would tell me what to do. My usual response is, have you read the Bible all the way through? Well, no, it's kind of boring, and sometimes I get stuck, and some of that I don't understand. I get it, I get it. Keep reading. Keep reading, keep reading. God has told us in his word stories of how he interacts with the world, of how the world functions, of how the world operates. He created it all. He created it all. It's very complex. It's very convoluted. I get all of that. But the more I begin to read his word, the more I begin to understand his heart, his desires, and I can begin to walk in that. But it takes transforming my mind because the world is not telling me God's ways all the time. So if you're stuck 
and you're saying, you know, well, I'm just a sinner. I would say, yeah, you're a sinner. Saved by God's grace, though. And not only did God want to save you, but God wants to transform you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to transform you. <laughs> yeah, I know husbands and wives are having fun with this one. I've been telling you all the time. <laughs> Pastor Dale's telling you now. Now I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to transform me. Oh, that one's harder. But God wants to transform us. God wants to change us, conform us to his image. Ooh, I've messed up my life too bad. God could never use me. I know there are people that are watching online. There are people that are, there are, people that are in this room right now that you believe this lie. I've messed up too bad. You don't know what I've done. God gave me this nice life, gave me things, and I have messed it up. Not only have I messed up my life, I've messed up others' lives. And I, God's not going to forgive me for that. They can't forgive me for that. I've done too many bad things. It's a lie. It's a lie. What does God's word have to say about that? God's word says this. Uh, that he wants to restore us into his image. Not only was I created in his image, but he knew uh, that I was going to fall. In fact, Romans 8, 29 says this. Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Um, what does foreknew mean? Who did God foreknow? Anybody have an idea of who God foreknew? All of us, right. So God foreknew all of creation. Those whom he foreknew, which is all human beings, he also predestined, and this is a fun word, because sometimes we hear the word predestination, and predestination sometimes has come to mean this. There are some of us that are predestined for heaven and some of us that are predestined for hell. That's quite often what it means. Well, how do you know if you're predestined or not? I don't know. You find out at the end. That's kind of how it works out. Isn't that encouraging? Doesn't that sound like a loving God? Oh, you find out as you go along. If you're living right, you must have been predestined, right? There's all kinds of different ways. I'm, I'm making light of this, but here's what this word predestined is pointing to. Predestined is not pointing to the who, it's pointing to the what. Because the verse already tells us the who. <clears throat> Those whom God foreknew, all of us that are created in his likeness and in his image, those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Predestined is not pointing to who, it's pointing to what. You and I were created in God's image and his likeness. Well, what does that look like? I don't know. Maybe if God sent his son to live out what it looked like, then we would know. This is what it looks like to live out my image. This is what I look like. Live this out. You and I were predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. You and I have the ability to live that out through Christ Jesus because we've been conformed to the image of his son. We've been predestined for that. In Ephesians 2.10, it says it even better. We are God's masterpiece. Turn to the person beside you and say, I'm a masterpiece. 
know, some of you look a little more like a Picasso or some sort of abstract art, but we're a masterpiece, right? We're a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has plans for your life. No matter how bad you messed up, guess what? He knew. He knew. And he still has plans for you. Amen. That you would be conformed to the image of God's son. Some of you tend to think, I think, I think you think this way. I used to. That God has this best plan for my life. And if I mess up, now I'm settling for God's second best, right? And when I mess that up, now I'm on God's third best. And how many of you are like me? You're on like God's number 10,567th best for your life, right? And we, we keep, oh, well, and that's what gets us to the place where we're going, I'm just so far down, God can't use me anymore. Um, Matt Moore was in here, and the, the men a couple weeks ago went on their retreat. They talked about God's ways, W-A-Z-E, not our ways, you know, your little, your little maps. Yesterday, I got to hear them talking a bit about, and it fits what we're talking about here. Think of your life with God as a journey. And when you get off track, if your map gets off track, what does it tell you to do? Matt Moore, where are you? You're in here. I saw you this morning. What do you do? What's your favorite word, Matt? Re Recalculating, right? Recalculating. God has a way of helping us get back on track where he wants us. You're not settling for God's 10,376 best. Allow God to bring you back into the route that he wants you on. You're a masterpiece. God has created you in his image. No matter how far you've gone, God can take the brokenness, God can take the stuff that's been messed up and put it back together into something beautiful. Let him do that in your life. Let him use you for the works that he planned for you from the beginning. God has a plan for you. All right, that's some good news right there. That'll preach. Somebody else needs to preach that better. Um, okay, last one. <laughs> I'm not loved. I'm not loved. This was actually, I think, this is the first point I had. Yeah. I'm not loved. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 3. Chapter, yeah, chapter 3. This is one of my favorite authors of all of our scripture is, is John, the beloved disciple, the disciple of love. He talks about love. Listen to this, what John says to the church. See how very much the Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. So dear friends, we are already God's children, but he's not yet shown us what we'll be like when Christ appears, but we do know we will be like him for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. Here's what John is saying to us. God loves you. God loves you. Not only did he create you in his image, in his likeness, but he doesn't look at you and go, oh, that's a really cool thing I created there. 
It's not like a sculpture. You're not like a painting. You are the object of his affection. He loves you. I don't know who needs to hear this today. I don't know if it's somebody watching online or if you're in here. God loves you. Despite what others may have told you, despite how you may feel, despite how unlovable you may feel, God says, not only do I love you, but you're my child. I want a relationship with you. Bow your heads with me real quick. I've got a feeling there may be someone here today that not only do you need to hear that, but some of these truths that we've said today, some of them may have hit right where you're at and you realized, I've been believing lies. I've wandered from God. I've not been going the direction he wants me to. Father, I pray that you'd be with my brothers and sisters right now. Those who don't feel they're worthy, those who don't feel they can share your truth with others, those who feel like they've messed up so bad. Lord, those who believe the lies that others tell them that they're not loved. There's kind of floating through life with no purpose or no plan. God, I pray that right now you would help all of us to repent of that kind of thinking, to begin to understand what your word says to us, that you love us, that you created us in your image, that, Lord, you do have plans for us, for every one of us, that that's why we were created to look like and reflect you. Lord, that seems so out of the ordinary and seems so crazy and weird in the world in which we live. So God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would help that truth or those truths to sink into our lives, that we would be prepared to do the things that you have for us. God, I pray right now you would speak truth into our lives, the same same way you spoke to Abraham, the same way you speak to us. Save us. Forgive us. God, I pray that you'd be a person right now that you say, say, Father, forgive me for not believing you, for not walking in what you have for me, for doing things on my own. Please save me. Please forgive me. Please help me to understand how much you love me and help me to be transformed and to walk in that love in Christ's name. Amen. If you prayed that with me today, whether you're in, if you're in here, stop by one of the new here stations on your way out. We have a gift we'd love to give you. It's just a Bible to help you be transformed into God's image. If you're watching online, just click the button that says, I said yes, and they'll make sure one of those gets sent to you. Um, We talked about God being the same God. So about 20 years ago, there was a guy sitting right down here who felt like God was speaking to him about something. He was a businessman, very successful, doing great, and God began to speak to him about those whose lives were being shattered because of alcoholism and drug addiction. And uh, I got to talk to him this last few weeks. Something happened that was, I didn't understand, I didn't know. Things had kind of shifted. And so he said, can I just, can I thank the congregation? And so I said, do it. Make a video, send it this week. I'm gonna use it in the sermon. So you'll see uh, Tom Thompson. Would you show that video real quick of Tom Thompson? Hello, Naz family. My name is Tom Thompson for some of you that I have not met. And I'm with the Refuge Ministry. Uh, just got off the phone with Pastor Dale, and he just shared with me the vision of what's been coming through many of you and, and all the prayer that's been taking place, and then what's come from that, which is to bring some restoration to some of the broken around Grove City. Um, I just shared with him, I'd love to have a moment 
just to kind of update a little bit, but most importantly to say how much I love and appreciate uh, the NAS, just how much I, I have cannot speak enough of how grateful I am uh, for almost two decades to have had the support and the love around us. And it has just, uh, it's kept us going so many times uh, that I can't count. But through those years, I'll never forget with four little kids and my wife, Jonna, um, launching from the NAS to start this place in Venton County at the time and to see what God's done in spite of us, the grace that he's given us and to sustain us has just been miraculous. But you have been a big piece to the backbone of that. Um, when we launched, I'll never forget, it was just the, the heart was that we would make disciples that make disciples and they would receive the Father's unconditional love and acceptance. And we did that at no cost. We did that by faith to launch out and provide a, a community, a culture of truly um, transformation. And that's exactly what's happened through the years, through his faithfulness and through the gospel. And the gospel changes lives. Um, and that's what we esteem to true uh, solution to the addiction issue. So we still believe that is our true worldview and practice every day is to continue to love those through the love of Christ and continue to introduce those to the gospel. So that being said, one of the things to update you with is we have empty beds available. And that's crazy to say in a time where addiction is off the chart, uh, when the pandemic hit for those years, the isolation that it created, created addiction and mental health issues uh, that's unprecedented. But also, many, many, many treatment centers were birthed through the last few years. So there's so many options that are out here that are available that literally when things kind of went in a place that uh, we didn't get to go out in churches, we, we kind of were in lockdown, uh, just many, many times we have not had a chance to get the word out. So this kind of dovetails into where we are today to say we want to partner we want to make it available because our heart is to reach as many as possible uh, with the gospel, men that are 18 years and older. So if you know of people, of course, I know it doesn't take too many people away from, from that an original person that may not be struggling with drugs to know those that are. If you know those in your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, uh, we want to be one of those options for them. We're still at this point, 22 years later, no cost, no insurance involved. They just come as they are. And then we take them on this journey with Christ. So uh, we've got materials. We've got anything you need, plus open doors of communication in Grove City. We would love to be a part of that to help share and bring hope and, and make ourselves available to as many as we can. So we're willing to think outside the box of where God's taking us in order to reach others. That's our key. Um, so right now, um, we should be in the lobby after this with some material. If that's something that you're sensing and prodded by the Spirit of God to, to, uh, to go grab some of those, again, we want to come alongside. I just want to finally just say uh, this is exciting. This is very exciting uh, because this is the home court. This is where we started. And uh, to come back around full circle 20-some years later to, to lift each other's arms for the gospel it is truly a, a blessing and a dream come true. So God bless you. I love you. And I appreciate the opportunity for us to, to really lock arms and make a difference for the kingdom.
Thank you, Tom. When you, when you give here at the NAS, there are a few local ministries here in Columbus that we partner with and uh, that we actually help sustain and support them financially. The Refuge is one of those ministries. It started right here in the seat, an ordinary person just like you. And I know some of you are going, I could never do something like that. Uh, kind of like Abram probably thought, I'm not going to be a great nation. <laughs> I have no land. It's just me and my wife and we're barren. God can use who he wants to use if we will open our ears and open our eyes and hearts and minds to let God do what he wants to in and through us. The same God that spoke to Abram spoke to Tom Thompson. And now the refuge is known around the U.S. They do trainings for other areas, uh, other treatment centers. Uh, but right now, as you've heard, um, there's lots of new treatment centers that have popped up, and many of them have begun to talk about how their place is a refuge. So if you look up refuge, you actually go to those spots rather than the refuge. And so we'd like to do as much as we can to help support if you know someone that is struggling. Stop by the table in the lobby and let them know. Uh, they're doing intake even now as we speak, but we wanted to get this on your mind, on your heart, so you'll be ready to know all about that. There are also opportunities for you to volunteer to help. It's not just down in Vinton County. There are a lot of things that go on here in the greater Columbus area as well. So would you stand with me today? And um, all of you that just stood have volunteered for VBS. That's another great thing, the way to practice it and step it out. So thank you. Uh, if you can't volunteer for the refuge, uh, stop at the refuge table. Let them know. Seriously, though, stop at the VBS table. Uh, there's tons of beautiful decorations out there. It looks like Survivor Island. You're ready to go. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.